Good evening and welcome to Ask the Horse Live. I'm your host, Shoshana Ruzki, Digital Editor of The Horse. Tonight we're discussing equine allergies. This event is sponsored by Kinetic Vet. Between the bugs that come with summertime, dust, and other environmental factors, it's the time of year that equine allergies seem to be in full swing. We are joined by Dr. Tomich, a veterinary dermatologist at Dermatology for Animals, to help answer your questions about equine allergies and what you can do to make your horse more comfortable. Dr. Tomich, before we begin, could you give our listeners a summary of your background and interest in allergies and dermatology? Absolutely. Um, so I went to veterinary school at Tufts University out in Massachusetts, um, and I was actually um, pretty gung-ho about the fact that I was going to be an equine veterinarian. Um, so I've always had an interest in horses and grew up with horses. Um, and during my third year, I actually had my dermatology course. Um, and so that was really my first exposure to dermatology. Um, and what really, what I really fell in love with was how stepwise um, the approach to cases was. Um, and so I really liked that, you know, I had um, a, kind of a plan as I wanted to, I mean, well, obviously you're gonna have a plan regardless of what uh, area of medicine you're in. Um, but I, I liked that um, there was always, you know, if you see this, you're gonna do these things. If you get these results, you're gonna move on to this. Um, and so that really spoke to me. Um, and what I also really liked about it is that I got to work with uh, multiple species, including horses. Um, other things that kind of really uh, drew me to dermatology is that I'm a, an, a human with allergic dermatitis. Um, and I've also had um, some dogs and horses as well that have uh, struggled with allergies over the years. And so it was really um, interesting to learn more about that and how to manage it. Um, and so that's that's pretty much Perfect. how I got into what yeah. I'm doing. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're super excited to have you here. And um, before we dive into our questions, I want to remind everyone of our Ask the Horse Live format. Um, we're starting with questions that were submitted during registration. And then if you're listening live and would like to submit a question, you can do so via the chat window. We'll do our best to get to as many questions as possible. And if you're listening to the podcast recording of this event and would you like to join us live in the future, please visit thehorse.com slash askthehorselive to register for notifications. And with that, we'll just jump right into our questions. So first, um, would you mind explaining why horses have allergic reactions and what causes their bodies to react the way they do to allergens in their environments? Yeah, so um, with allergic dermatitis, um, we absolutely suspect and, and know to a degree that there's a genetic basis um, for the development of these reactions. Um, unfortunately, it's not as simple as, you know, just looking for one gene mutation. It's likely um, multiple different mutations in genes that um, lead to the development of allergic reactions. Um, and then it also, we, we do think that environment and exposure plays a role in this as well. Um, probably the classic example that we think of um, is Coolicoides or Midge hypersensitivity in Icelandic horses. Um, so that breed, you know, again, originated obviously in Iceland. In Iceland, there aren't Coolicoides or Midges, um, but these horses, when they're exported out of the country and then moved to places where there actually are um, Coolicoides, um, they tend to develop hypersensitivity if they have that genetic predisposition. Um, and so we know that those genes probably have to be present. And then we also have to be in an environment where we're exposed to those things that we can become allergic to. 
Um, and so that's kind of why we see these reactions. Um, another kind of um, common misconception I feel like a lot of people have with allergy is that you know the their horse's immune system isn't strong enough. Um, and so I have a lot of people that ask about you know whether we need to strengthen the immune system. Um, but in this, these conditions, it's really an overreaction of the immune system. So their immune system is too good to responding to things that they should normally ignore because they're just part of the world around them. Um, another thing we think contributes to allergic dermatitis um, is potentially defects in the skin barrier that make it easier for them to absorb allergens across their skin. Um, make it easier for them to have increased water loss across their skin um, and also make it easier for things like bacteria and yeast to adhere to the skin surface and overgrow. Awesome. So um, with that, if a horse owner thinks that they might be dealing with allergies in their horse, when does it make sense to bring in an equine dermatologist instead of just their regular vet? Yeah, um, so I think that a little bit of that depends on, on what direction you want to go with treatment. Um, so if you have a horse that has, you know, fairly mild um, seasonal allergies that are pretty easy to control with antihistamines or just with, you know, weekly baths or things like that, um, or maybe just really good fly control, you may not need to get one of us involved. Um, when you have horses that maybe have a much more prolonged season or non-seasonal in their allergic dermatitis, um, or they're developing you know, really generalized hives, um, and they're not responding to uh, management with systemic therapy like antihistamines or steroids, um, or they're really uncomfortable, um, that's often when I, I think it's good to get us involved um, to do things like intradermal allergy testing or serum testing to formulate immunotherapy. Um, and so that's where we take the things we know they're allergic to uh, in the environment and um, give them kind of uh, small doses of that that increase over time um, in the hopes of making them tolerant to those things they're overreacting to. Um, and I think that's the big advantage of having a veterinary dermatologist in your corner um, is not only to do that testing, but also to formulate the immunotherapy and potentially tweak it over time. Um, so sometimes I find that, you know, maybe what was working for the horse once with immunotherapy uh, or at one time uh, with the immunotherapy may need to be changed down the road. And so having a dermatologist to do that tweaking and, and do those like small adjustments um, is really helpful. Super. So with that, you mentioned there that things can change over time with allergies. Um, Jennifer from New Jersey said that her horse only developed allergies a couple of years ago, and she's wondering if she will need to have to deal with that for the rest of her horse's life or if that's something that could disappear or change in some way. Right. Um, so in most cases, I, I, we do expect allergies to continue lifelong um, unless we're doing some kind of intervention like potentially immunotherapy. Um, and unfortunately, in a lot of cases, those allergy or allergies will actually get worse over time. Um, so what may have started off as fairly seasonal, like, you know, maybe we just see it um, during the summer months, may start to progress to also include the spring months. Um, and so unfortunately, you know, if it's something that started a couple of years ago, it's probably going to continue for, you know, potentially the rest of that horse's life. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And with touching on seasonal allergies a bit there, um, Natalie from Texas wanted to ask what the best way to help her mare who has major sensitive sensitivity to fly bites would be. She says that she lives in Texas and it's way too hot for a fly sheet right now. Oh man, I can imagine. Um, even I think even in upstate New York, I'm like a little too hot. I don't know that I'd want to wear a fly sheet, but uh, 
in terms of you know what's the best way to control that um, some of that's going to depend on specifically what type of insect bite hypersensitivity her mare has um, so if she's done testing and knows specifically like what species of fly her mare is reacting to um, sometimes we can alter turnout times um, to try and avoid the most active times for those flies um, so going back to again the culicoides or midges um, those ones tend to be most active in their feeding at dusk and dawn so avoiding turnout during those times can be helpful. Um, if it's something like the black fly, that tends to be active during the day. So changing our turnout time to overnight can be helpful. Um, obviously, still in the barn, we can, uh, we can still have trouble with uh, some of these uh, biting insects as well. Um, but that's where sometimes we'll add in like a stronger fan to try and um, make it more difficult for them to fly and land on the horse. Um, I'm definitely a huge fan of some of our permethrin-based spot-ons and sprays. Um, I find that those are really effective uh, repellent and killer of a lot of those insects. Um, I also am a, a fan of some of the, the fly traps that have more of the attractant. Um, obviously, we want to make sure we're keeping those away from where the horses are turned out or stabled, um, but sometimes that can do a, a good job of reducing the insects in the environment. Um, there are some you know feed through products that can potentially kill the the larvae that are um, you know feeding on the manure um, the only hesitation i have with those are that a lot of those feed through products are dewormers um, and so sometimes we worry about kind of constantly using those dewormers um, and whether that will affect the susceptibility of those insects to the dewormer itself um, and we only have so many dewormers in the world so we do worry about resistance um, and then the last thing I would recommend um, is some you know, weekly medicated baths as well. Um, so when we have uh, severe you know, insect bite hypersensitivity, a lot of times we can get secondary infection at those sites as well. And so using like a medicated shampoo that contains chlorhexidine can be helpful or using a shampoo with something like promoxine or a topical steroid like hydrocortisone can sometimes provide some temporary relief as well. Super. Um, I know we've talked a little bit about when things are environmental and when things are more just what's going on with the horse itself. Um, Carolyn in California is wondering, um, this is from our live chat, she said that her horse rubs his bum this time of year annually and she has cleaned his sheath and shampooed his tail and she's wondering if this could be some kind of environmental allergy going on that's making him rub himself. Right. Um, that's definitely possible. Um, again, I can sometimes see some of our insect bite hypersensitivity cases affect that area. Um, another thing I can sometimes see um, that's not necessarily allergy related, but we can see a, an increase in incidence during the warmer months um, is sometimes yeast skin infection, particularly kind of in the groin area. Um, and sometimes when they're itchy there, um, that can make them rub their rear end as well. Um, and so I would consider using um, some sort of topical um, treatment uh, that contains something like myconazole or a 3% chlorhexidine, um, either shampoo, spray, mousse um, that you can use daily for a few weeks, um, you know, in that groin area to see if that helps. Um, because sometimes if we do have a yeast infection, just using that once a week or a couple times a week isn't going to be enough to clear it completely. Um, so I'd try that to see if that helps. Um, if that's not helping, then I'd talk to your veterinarian about potentially um, you know, whether this could be allergy based on the distribution, um, just because obviously I, I can't examine your horse over the phone, unfortunately. <laughs> yes. 
Perfect. Um, so we've gotten a few questions about allergy testing, and you touched on that briefly already, but um, we had a few come in through our email earlier asking how accurate allergy testing is. And we also had Susan, who's listening in live, ask what your opinion on blood tests for allergies would be. Yeah, that is a great question. Um, and if you asked three different dermatologists, you get five different answers. Um, so I'll give you my personal take on it. Um, so when it comes to serum testing, um, which is the blood allergy testing where we're looking at um, specifically something called immunoglobulin E to different allergens um, versus intradermal allergy testing, which is where we're actually injecting allergens into the skin. Um, so kind of similar to like prick testing in people. Um, we do definitely think that there's some differences there. Um, so with serum testing, uh, Unfortunately, we can see a higher number of false positives. Um, so sometimes we might have something that comes up positive that's not truly an allergen for those horses. Um, horses do also sometimes have something called um, like a, an antibody to these different um, cross-reactive carbohydrate uh, determinants, which is a big fancy word basically for um, kind of a, a sequence that's in uh, multiple different allergens. So say, you know, all of the pollens have a very similar carbohydrate sequence. Um, and so they can have IgE that's against that, um, that will make them positive for all of those different things. And so I'm always skeptical when I get serum results that are positive for almost everything. Um, and in those cases, I do usually advocate for going to intradermal allergy testing, which we think is a lot more specific. Um, you know, that being said, there's definitely a significant cost difference between serum and intradermal allergy testing. Um, and while, you know, again, intradermal allergy testing is the gold standard, um, you do need to have access to a dermatologist to, to perform that in most cases, um, because it's, you know, most general practitioners aren't going to be able to have those allergens you need for the intradermal test on hand. Um, because unless you're doing a lot of intradermal allergy tests, it's a lot of overhead to, to have as a business. Um, and so if you aren't near a dermatologist or financially doing intradermal allergy testing isn't an option, um, then doing something like serum testing, I think is still worthwhile to formulate immunotherapy um, just because uh, our, of the studies we have out there looking at response to immunotherapy based on serum testing versus um, intradermal allergy testing specifically in horses, um, there hasn't been a huge difference in the response to one or the other. Um, and so I think if we can do intradermal allergy testing, let's do that. I think that's the best way to go. If we can't, for some reason that's not an option, then I think serum testing is a, an okay plan B. Um, yeah. <laughs> So um, with that, you mentioned um, intradermal allergy testing there. So is that similar to how they do allergy tests in humans, or is there a difference there with the horse version of that? Yeah, so it's a little different. Um, well, I will say I think it's, it's similar to what they used to do in people, which was actually, again, injecting like into the skin. Um, what they've moved towards more in um, human allergy testing is more of what we call like prick or scratch testing where it's really quite superficial in the skin. At this point in time, um, that hasn't been validated in our companion animals. Um, and so we're still using a small needle and injecting it like directly into the layers of the skin to see if we get a reaction. Um, I know that um, Dr. Darren Berger out in Iowa, I think is doing some work 
looking at prick testing in horses. And so that may be something that, you know, some years down the road we move towards, um, which will be nice just because it's a little quicker. You can test a bunch of different allergens, you know, at once um, in one tray, which is uh, really useful. But at this time, we're, we're still doing the intradermal injections. Perfect. So we also got a few questions, um, both in the email earlier and also coming into the chat right now, about um, different kinds of topical treatments. So Erica in the chat is wondering if there's a specific brand of over-the-counter hydrocortisone shampoo or spray that you feel is safe to use on horses. Yeah. Um, so not to, to toot the horn of our, our sponsors, but um, Kinetic does make a shampoo that I like um, called IR that has a bit of hydrocortisone and also promoxine, um, which can also provide some um, pretty good relief to our patients. Um, so that's a, a great shampoo that I like. Um, Decra is another company that also makes, um, they used to make a, a trischlor 4 with hydrocortisone. So it's trischlor 4 hc um, and that one, um, I feel like it was, it was hard to find it during the pandemic. I'm not sure if it's something they're stocking again, but that would be another option. Um, and so I, I'm good with any of those products. Um, I, topical steroids can be a little tricky um, in that they're going to be most effective if we're just dealing with like a small area. Um, but if it's the whole horse that's itchy, it's really hard to get like a good concentration of that, you know, all over the body. And so a little bit of, you know, how well, how well is it going to work is going to depend on how severe your horse or how severely your horse is affected and um, kind of how much of their body is affected as well. Perfect. So following up with that, um, Chris from Rhode Island was wondering if you tend to prefer oral treatments to topical medications or if you find one to be more effective than the other or if some kind of combination of the two tends to be your go-to there. Yeah, um, that's a great question. You totally called me out with the combo question. Um, I love to combine both systemic and topical therapy if possible. Um, for a couple of different reasons. Um, so I do find, you know, systemic therapy is, is usually the most effective. And if I have a, you know, a horse that's really uncomfortable, really itchy, um, I'm probably not gonna, you know, worry with trying topical therapy alone first. Um, usually we're gonna be reaching for, you know, antihistamines and or some kind of oral steroid taper. Um, even with antihistamines, you know, it, it, systemic antihistamines, um, they're a little tricky in that you usually have to kind of start them before we're even flared up. You know, it, it, they take a few weeks to really work well. Um, and so a lot of times I might be starting them in combination with a steroid if we are dealing with a horse that's already really well or really flared up. Um, if we have more mild cases of allergy where they're not super, super itchy, um, then maybe using just our topical therapy alone might be enough. Um, and certainly, even if I'm using systemics, I'm still usually recommending weekly baths with a medicated shampoo, um, potentially, a, you know, a medicated leave-on spray or mousse um, that we could use in between those baths. Um, and when I say medicated, I usually mean things that contain something like chlorhexidine, which is antibacterial, um, or things that contain like a topical steroid. Perfect. Um, we've talked a lot about environmental factors going into this, but Terry in the chat is wondering what around percentage of horses are allergic to things they eat and what you would think about um, them being allergic to certain oils and just different things going into their grain there. That is a fantastic question. Um, and the, the true answer to that, I would say, is we don't know. Um, food allergy at this time is thought to be rare. Um, that being said, 
part of why I suspect it is thought to be so rare is that it's really hard to prove it. Um, so generally, well, really the only way we can test for food allergy um, is to do a strict diet trial. Um, and when I say that, I mean, you know, really just trying to feed like one species of grass hay. Um, so maybe we're just using Timothy alone, nothing else. We're cutting grain, we're cutting supplements. Um, we may have to restrict our turnout because obviously our pastures may have more mixed grass. Um, and that's kind of a big commitment, I feel like, for a lot of owners to make, um, especially if we consider how many horses are, you know, boarded at stables where, you know, maybe some of that management is out of their control. Um, and we have to do that for at least a few weeks to see if there's a difference in their itch level. Um, and so that's why, you know, I think it, it's something that you may not get everyone to commit to. Um, and so there could be cases of food allergy that we're missing. Um, yeah, did, did I miss anything on that question? Was there a second part to that that I'm missing? Um, I think he was also wondering about specific oils. And I know I've seen a lot of people add oils to grain to, you know, improve shine and coat, add fat, et cetera. But I think he's wondering there if there is a possibility of an allergic reaction there. Um, I, I would say it's possible. Um, knowing what we know about food allergy in, in most species, um, it's typically to a protein source. Um, so I don't tend to see it as commonly to something fatty like an oil. Um, but really, we don't know until we take it away. Um, and so that would certainly be an option. You know, if you are worried that it's one particular additive that you added in recently, I, you know, I would consider stopping that for, you know, anywhere between three to six weeks. Um, potentially up to eight weeks to see if there's a difference. Perfect. Um, so Linda in the chat just said that her 19-year-old Friesian cross recently had his first serious allergic reaction that ended in an emergency trip to the vet clinic. She said that the only thing that changed in his environment was the addition of garlic to his feed the last few weeks and a recent change from his regular senior feed to one in higher omega-3s. She looked on the internet and it said that there's uh, could be an allergic reaction to garlic in horses, but she's wondering if that was the cause, if there could have been a delayed response, or if it was likely due to something else. Yeah, so um, with food allergy, we do suspect that we can see delayed uh, type hypersensitivity, um, where it may take a, a couple of weeks to see a, a reaction. Um, so I'd say it's possible. Um, I haven't seen that reported in the literature, um, at least specifically in terms of garlic. Um, but what I would say, uh, if we have a recent diet change, um, you know, more that switch from the senior feed, that could also potentially be the culprit. Um, and I would consider going back to the original feed with no garlic um, for, again, you know, a few weeks, make sure we're not seeing any reactions while we're on the old food. Um, and then maybe try either switching in uh, the new food that you uh, had just switched to with the higher omega fatty acids. Um, or trying the garlic to see if you, you see another reaction. Um, obviously the scary thing with that would be, uh, I don't know how severe it was. It sounds like we did have to haul in somewhere. So, you know, if it was just uh, kind of a bout of hives, I'm not as worried about that. If you feel like you're seeing more of like a, an anaphylactic reaction, obviously we want to avoid that. Um, and part of how we could do that is maybe rather than feeding as much as we were feeding before, we give a smaller amount, uh, maybe for a few days or something like that. Super. So again, with going after um, different causes for allergies, um, Lisa in Arizona asked if horses could be allergic to steroids and if steroids are being used to treat another issue, if that could end up being a problem if your horse is sensitive to allergies. 
Yeah, um, so I have not personally seen or heard of uh, allergy to steroids. Um, they're kind of a staple of allergy management or at least of allergic flare management. Um, so I would think that would be highly unusual. Um, that way, that being said, I, you know, I never say never in medicine and, you know, could there be one case out there? Sure. Um, but I would say the chance of that is, is really rare. Um, yeah, cool. Um, perfect. So, um, Kathleen in Kansas asked if there's any herbs that could possibly help manage allergies. Um, she's personally found that nettle and clover help her horse. Um, with that, we also had someone else say that she's heard that garlic can help manage allergies, but she's wondering if there's any other things that could kind of naturally help keep allergies away. Yeah, um, so for me, I, I don't tend to use a lot of herbs in, in uh, my practice of medicine, um, although, you know, if you've seen uh, help with either the nettle or the clove, you know, or clover, um, certainly continue those. Um, I I guess the, the things that I, I use most commonly as like an adjunctive therapy or supportive therapy are omega fatty acid supplementation. Um, so that's definitely something you can add in that may help. Um, another uh, product I've heard of that's uh, that at least anecdotally I've heard um, some improvement with is actually some bee pollen. Um, and whether that's just because of the fatty content in that as well, I'm not sure. Um, but for me, I, I don't tend to use a lot of herbs in my management, so I'm probably not the best one to ask about that. Cool, perfect. Um, Susan in Virginia is curious what the relationship between allergies and asthma is, if there is a relationship there. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, so when we use the term asthma, I assume we're referring, referring to things like um, inflammatory airway disease and like recurrent um, airway obstruction. Um, and so the, the answer to that is we're not sure. Um, with those types of airway diseases, um, there's certainly different types that we can see. Um, and so primarily there's um, what we call a neutrophilic form that seems to be associated more with um, particulate and not so much hyper, uh, like a hypersensitivity to the particulate, but more of like almost like a physical um, issue in the lungs. Um, and then there's an eosinophilic form that we do think is, is most likely associated with allergy or parasites. Um, for me, the biggest time when I do think they're linked is when I have concurrent um, skin signs like hives and uh, itchiness at home um, combined with that history of potentially asthma. Um, and in those cases, I'm definitely advocating for um, intradermal allergy testing or potentially serum allergy testing and immunotherapy to try and desensitize them to what they're allergic to. Um, if I had a horse that was just primarily respiratory and had the eosinophilic form, I think it would be worth a shot to, to try some allergy testing and immunotherapy. I certainly don't think it would hurt them to try that. Um, but if we had something like the the more neutrophilic form where we think it's more just the, the physicality of those particulates in the lungs, um, I don't think it would be super helpful to treat it like an allergic patient. Super. That makes sense there. Um, Heather in our chat um, is, one, is saying that she has seen an increase in horses having allergies in the last 15 to 20 years. And she's curious if there's um, either just a greater awareness of things going on or if you think possibly either increased vaccination, feed, supplements, et cetera, could be causing what we're seeing as an increase in allergies. Yeah, I think that's a that's also a great question. Um, I have a, a few different answers for that. Um, so 
you know, one thing we talk about in humans and some of our other companion animals is something called the hygiene theory, um, which kind of refers to um, how as society has kind of progressed over time, um, our environments have become a lot cleaner. Um, we have less exposure to parasites and other pathogens. Um, and while, you know, obviously our, our horses are still living out in fields and things like that, I think we've gotten a lot better at um, preventing some of these parasitic um, infections and other pathogens. Um, and so not having that exposure um, has uh, been potentially associated with an increased development of allergies. Um, I do think that people have gotten better at recognizing allergy, um, and I think we've also gotten better at, um, you know, seeking more advanced care for our, our patients as well and for our, our, you know, our pets at home and um, our, you know, just companion animals in general. And so I think um, that's something that people are paying more attention to and, and also are wanting to do more about it. Um, and then the last thing I'd mention is, you know, as potentially we see kind of uh, increases in uh, heat and, and different weather trends, that's also affecting pollen counts, right? So we've seen an increase in pollen counts over, you know, I would say the last decade or so. Um, and so that may be, you know, what, uh, what might have been a mild allergy in one horse um, may get worse over time as those pollen counts increase because now they're having even greater exposure to things they're allergic to, um, to the point where now we're picking up on their clinical signs more. Super. Um, so Julie in Kansas asked if there's something you could use to strengthen the overall immune system so that a horse reacts less to allergens. I know you mentioned earlier that it's not actually so much a matter of strengthening the immune system, but I think she's wondering if there's anything in general that you could do to kind of help keep allergies at bay as a whole. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so absolutely. Like we talked about earlier, um, allergic horses have their immune system is too good. It's too sensitive. Um, what I would say is, uh, you know, in terms of, I guess, to get a little bit more into the nitty gritty of like immunology, um, something we do talk about strengthening um, in the, the allergic animal um, is kind of one part of the immune system that's involved more with like regulation and shutting down um, the immune system a little bit. Um, and so that's like our our regulatory cells, right? And so those are often the ones that are going to shut down that overreactive response. And so when we talk about immunotherapy or mention that, um, part of the goal of that is to kind of change the response, like what type of response we have to these allergens and also increase potentially that regulatory arm to shut things down. Um, so definitely, again, immune, another shout out to immunotherapy for that. Um, in terms of other things we can add in just to try and, you know, reduce clinical signs at home. Um, again, adding in omega fatty acid is a, a pretty easy thing to add in. It's probably not going to fix everything, but it may help with some of the inflammation in the body and, and help rebuild some of that skin barrier. Um, being really diligent with more frequent baths to try and get allergens off the skin and rebuild the skin barrier, as well as keep bacteria and yeast to a minimum can be really helpful. Um, and those, I guess, would be like the biggest things you could add in without, you know, getting a veterinarian involved. Um, but, but yeah, not, not too many other things are going to uh, really be very helpful for keeping uh, allergies down, unfortunately. So with that, you mentioned giving frequent baths um, helps. Would there be a time when you actually end up giving too many baths and it ends up making allergies worse because you're taking out the natural oils and such? Yeah. So, um 
honestly, it mostly depends on what you're using for those baths. So what type of shampoo you're using um, and, you know, our kind of going saying is that you can't overbathe an allergy patient um, as long as you're using an appropriate shampoo. Um, and so, again, I, I point to things like the, the Kinetic um, CK shampoo or IR shampoo, um, Decra's Myconahex um, or Trisclor 4 shampoo. Um, and then Duxo is another company that makes like an S3 Pio shampoo that are all kind of geared towards our allergic patients. Um, and so they're going to have things that also kind of help rebuild the skin barrier. Um, and so with those, you know, honestly, you could bathe them daily if you wanted. And I, I don't see any side effects to that. Um, generally, why we don't recommend or, or don't push for you to bathe them daily is just because, you know, there's a, at a certain point, you don't get that much return on your investment and it can certainly be very labor intensive. Um, and so, you know, usually I'm I'm hoping for at least once a week if you can do twice a week that's fantastic um, but at least getting that once a weekend during their worst seasons um, can definitely be helpful awesome um so marcia in the chat is wondering if he would ever recommend human antihistamines to horses or if he would just stick with the equine versions of medications yeah so most of the antihistamines we use in horses or at least that i use in horses um, are are also medications we use in people um, so the ones that I reach for most commonly, um, hydroxazine would be one, um, and that's actually a, a prescription antihistamine in people as well as I think a tricyclic antidepressant. Um, cetirazine, um, which is just the generic version of Zyrtec, is another one I reach for pretty commonly. Um, and so they're, you know, they're definitely uh, human products that I think we can use in horses. Um, I would definitely consult your veterinarian first to uh, get a dosing um, or get a dose for your particular animal, because obviously we can have pretty variable sizes um, in our horses. Um, and I will also say, you know, while a lot of these are over the counter, it may be more expensive to go to Costco and, and get them than it might be to, you know, use your um, primary care veterinarian or um, some kind of like compounding pharmacy potentially. Perfect. So um, Lilac in our chat is wondering um, if she can keep her horses clipped during the hot season to help with seasonal allergies. I know personally I've panic clipped my own horse because she had hives and I decided that would help, but I'm not sure if it actually did. So I'm also curious what your thoughts there would be. Yeah. Um, so for me, it, it's there's pros and cons to that. Um, I would say one advantage um, if we're clipping the hair is that it makes it a lot easier to get topical products onto the skin. Um, so that can make that more helpful. Um, the downside would be that if we're removing that hair coat, um, we're removing another potential barrier to some of our fly bites and to um, some of that absorption of pollens across the skin. Um, and so if we're clipped, you know, we don't have that protective layer of hair. Um, so I, I think it, I, I think it's worth trying if you were, were planning to do it anyway. If you notice that season seemed to be worse for their allergies then the next year, I would probably avoid it. Um, but, you know, I, I guess I don't have strong feelings one way or the other. I think it's worth a shot um, to see if it helps with some of your topical therapy. Perfect. Um, Linda in Washington said that her um, she has been giving her horse allergy shots with her vet's recommendation for the last year. And now that would, with it being summer again, he only has bumps on his left side of his body. So she's wondering if there could be a reason that now he's only having bumps on the left side of his body when it sounds like before he started the shots, he was having them on both. 
Yeah, so I would say to me that sounds like improvement um, if we were having more generalized, you know, bumps in hives before and now they're just on one side. Um, I will say that, you know, when we have flares and reactions to allergens, um, what the body will often do is, is start to deposit some of those inflammatory cells in different areas of the skin. Um, and those places will be the first places to flare when they come into contact to what, or with what they're allergic to. Um, and so it's not uncommon for me to see them flare in the same spots year after year. Um, so, you know, my thoughts would be, is it that, you know, maybe that side uh, just has a lot more of those kind of resident inflammatory cells and that's why that side is flaring more so than the other side. Um, but regardless, it does sound like it's an improvement. Um, another thing they could consider is potentially, you know, tweaking the immunotherapy um, to see if they get a better response, you know, next year when we come in uh, to their worst season. Um, although I'd be a little hesitant because it sounds like they, they are responding to some degree and, and they may just need more time on the immunotherapy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Um, that was definitely helpful there. Um, Rebecca in Arizona is asking um, what is available between um, besides the oral antibiotics and steroids for skin allergies. For example, if any just over-the-counter supplements could maybe put into their routine. Right. Um, so Again, with supplements, really the, the only kind of over-the-counter one I, I uh, talk about a lot is, is kind of um, omega fatty acids, um, but there's certainly a, a number of different companies that um, do make uh, kind of allergen or allergy horse-specific uh, supplements. Um, a little hard for me to say, you know, how effective or not they are, but I, I think that some of them are, are worth a, a shot to try, especially if they do have that, again, omega fatty acid supplementation. Um, again, a lot of our antihistamines are over the counter, um, but the dose that we use in our, our horses are going to be a lot higher than what we use in people. And so I wouldn't recommend just going out and buying them. I would talk to your, your veterinarian first. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of uh, other systemic uh, options for, in, uh, for allergy patients in, or for uh, allergy horse patients um, other than steroids and antihistamines. Um, there's been some talk of, of trying um, the medication Apoquel, which is a, a dog allergy medication that's off-label for other species at this point. Um, and so there is, you know, some people kind of looking into what dosing scheme we would need for horses, um, but I'm, I'm still not sold on that quite yet. Um, I think we've had variable results with anecdotal use, um, and it, it is quite expensive um, in prescription. So I don't think that would really fit the bill of what you're asking. Great. Um, so Tammy asked through um, our submission system earlier, um, she said that she has a horse who is insulin resistant and he has terrible bug allergies. And she's wondering if anything specific should be being done with him being insulin resistant as far as allergy control goes. Right. Um, so with the insulin resistance, I would definitely be hesitant to use steroids um, because that can certainly make insulin resistance worse. Um, and so I would focus um, most of my efforts on really, really stringent fly control. Um, so kind of like what we talked about earlier in this chat um, about the mare in Texas, um, I would try to implement as much of that as you can. Um, I would consider, you know, adding in an antihistamine like cetirizine, again, noting that it's going to take, a, you know, a, a few weeks to, to work fully. Um, and then I would consider allergy testing and immunotherapy. Perfect. So going back to shampoos a little bit, Jennifer in our chat um, said that her horse blisters from any kind of shampoo with sulfur in it. 
And that was the main ingredient in a shampoo that was recommended to um, treat chronic scratches. So she's wondering what else she could be able to use for that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, uh, sulfur can be a great product um, because it's anti-yeast, anti-parasitic. Um, it can be um, antibacterial. So I can see why that was recommended previously. Um, but I agree if we were seeing topical reactions to that, we don't want to keep using it. Um, Certainly you can try one of our, like a chlorhexidine-based shampoo, um, but what I would say with um, something like, you know, scratches, um, unfortunately the term scratches isn't, uh, you know, really a diagnosis. Um, it's more of just a description of a, a reaction pattern we see on the pasterns. Um, and so I would talk to their primary care veterinarian about potentially, um, you know, kind of further testing of, of why we're getting those lesions in that specific area. Um, and that may look like, you know, skin scrapes, cytology, potentially biopsy, um, because there are, you know, definitely other conditions besides allergy um, or infection that can cause those types of lesions. And so we may be missing something that we need to treat. Okay, so going back to the questions in our chat, um, Marilyn is wondering if um, swollen udders and fecal water syndrome in summer months could be an allergy symptom. Yeah, so that's um, that's an interesting question. Um, in my experience, um, I haven't seen that so much associated with allergy. Um, certainly anytime we see some sort of um, GI upset like diarrhea, you know, we do wonder, could it be potentially related to like a food allergy or food intolerance? Um, but, you know, in my experience, I haven't seen too much of that. Um, the swollen udders, uh, one thing I would I would look for potentially would be, you know, could there be some sort of moist dermatitis or, you know, like secondary yeast or bacterial infection kind of in between the teats um, that's leading to some of that swelling, um, particularly if the mare is, you know, kind of uh, rubbing at her rear end or something like that as well. Um, and I would I would have your vet check that area out. Great. Um, so Jennifer in Kentucky said that her horse broke out in hives after eating pure alfalfa hay. And she's wondering if that might be related to an allergy. Yeah, it's it's definitely possible. Um, you know, for me, I would I would take away the pure alfalfa if we can and, and try to avoid that. Um, if you, she develops hives again, it's unlikely to have been related to the alfalfa. Um, and if you're feeling particularly bold and adventurous, you could take away the, you know, any access to alfalfa for, um, you know, a month or two months and then try to challenge her with that to see if the hives recur, um, which would, you know, be more indicative that it was the alfalfa that caused it and not something else. So then branching off of that, Judith in South Carolina asked if you would recommend steaming hay for one of her horses who has a bad dust allergy? Yeah, um, so that's a good question. Um, so it sort of depends on, on, you know, whether it's just an assumed dust allergy or we've done testing and it's per, like actually the dust and not, you know, some of the molds and hay. Um, usually when we talk about like steaming the hay, it's, it's more because we're dealing with, you know, potentially uh, mold allergy. Um, and so, you know, the idea is if we can dampen that down, they're not inhaling as much of it. Um, and again, that's usually more for our um, kind of more respiratory cases. Um, the downside of steaming the hay is that, you know, if they don't eat it all while it's wet and then it has time to dry, you can actually end up with more mold spores. 
Um, and so for me, you know, if we are soaking or steaming the hay, we want to make sure we're removing it before it has time for more mold to grow. Um, and so that might mean pulling it out and wasting some of the hay um, before they're kind of finished eating everything you're giving them. Great. And then again, going off of the respiratory side of things a bit, Lorna in the chat um, is wondering if you can talk about a horse with respiratory allergies resulting in a cough and what you would do for that. Yeah, so again, we're not sure that every horse with airway disease or coughing um, is related to allergy. Um, and so it, it really depends on what form of that airway disease they have. And, and so usually um, kind of further work up with like an internist or with your, um, your veterinarian uh, for like a, 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 what we call like a bronchoalveolar lavage. So that's where they actually like go and put fluid down, you know, into the, the lungs and trachea, get a sample back out and evaluate the cells there to look for, you know, whether they're seeing one type of white blood cell called a neutrophil or another type called an eosinophil. Um, if you're seeing more eosinophils, that suggests potentially more of like an allergic airway disease. Um, and then again, we talk about, uh, you know, potentially doing allergy testing and immunotherapy. If you do that um, BAL and you get more of the neutrophil, um, that other type of white blood cell, that's more associated with like kind of particulate. Um, and so less of an allergic reaction and more of just like physically getting dust and other particles in the lungs. Um, both the allergic airway disease and more of that neutrophilic form um, can respond to things like steroids um, and potentially bronchodilators. I'm not going to talk too much about those just because that's not really my wheelhouse and that's more of a, a question for an internist or, or your primary care veterinarian. Um, but really, it's I would say it, it kind of depends on what the cause of that airway disease is and it may take further testing to determine that. Great. So um, Laura in the chat is wondering if flaky and peeling skin in the summer is typically a fungus or an allergy and how you would go about treating those two things differently. Um, so for me, it would depend on when we're seeing that flakiness or peeling skin. Um, so if you have a horse that gets really itchy and they rub themselves and then we develop kind of that flakiness or that peeling, um, I suspect that it's more related to the, the secondary uh, or that self-trauma. Um, if you're seeing kind of that peeling and flaking without any itchiness, then yeah, it may be more related to some sort of secondary infection or honestly a host of other conditions. Um, so I would recommend um, having your veterinarian out for kind of further diagnostics. So, you know, cytology of the skin, skin scrape, um, to get a better idea because that can tell us, uh, you know, whether we're seeing bacteria or yeast that may be contributing to those signs that you're noting at home. Um, treatment for bacterial or yeast infection. Um, in most cases, we do attempt topical therapy first with something that's antibacterial and anti-yeast. Um, and generally, again, it's going to take a few weeks of consistent topical therapy to see that resolve. Um, in some cases with bacterial infection, if I'm not seeing resolution with topical therapy, um, we do move on to systemic antibiotics. And again, usually for almost a solid month. Um, with allergy, we're going to kind of rely on a lot of the things we've already talked about, um, you know, topical therapy, potentially systemic antihistamines, steroids, if they're really, really uncomfortable, um, and then consider allergy testing and immunotherapy. Perfect. That's super helpful there. Um, Jennifer in our chat is wondering if any particular horse breeds or colors might be more sensitive or allergy prone. She says that she has a gray horse who breaks out in hives each summer, but his 
um, Bay Pasture Buddy never seems to be affected. What management related practices would you want to think about implementing for the more sensitive horses there? Yeah, so um, in terms of breeds, um, again, the classic one we think of is the Icelandic horse, um, which, you know, obviously I don't think we see tons and tons of in this country. Um, other than that, I, I wouldn't say I have a, a particular poster child that I, I think of, you know, constantly with with allergy. Um, in terms of, of colors, um, I, this is mostly anecdotal and, and my own experience growing up, but I do feel like our chestnuts tend to be a little bit more sensitive and a little bit more hypersensitive to uh, fly bites and things like that. Um, I, I honestly, it can happen really in any breed and any color. Um, in terms of management, you know, I, I, again, it comes down to, you know, really good fly control, um, weekly baths, if we can do that, um, considering some of our systemic therapies um, like antihistamines or potentially steroids um, and then immunotherapy um, and sort of, you know, kind of tweaking that to, to how severely affected your horse is. Super. Um, so for everyone listening live, we have about 10 more minutes. So definitely get those questions in. Um, and while we wait for some more of those, Adele in New Zealand um, said that she has a broodmare who appears to be allergic to, um, to pine tree pollen. Um, how would you manage that in a pregnant mare and what special considerations would you keep in mind there with a horse who's pregnant? That's a great question. Um, so pine allergy um, is actually another kind of bit of a controversial topic. Um, so it is something we'll often test for. Um, but if we think about the pine pollen itself, um, it's a very large pollen. Um, and so when anytime we're talking about allergens or things that make good allergens, um, generally they have to be small and easily carried on the wind. Um, and so, you know, that's what makes them so unavoidable. It's what makes them so easily to be absorbed across the skin. Um, and with pine pollen, they're really not carried well in the wind because they're so large. Um, and so the way that I think of pine for the most part is that when we see allergy to it, it's it's usually like if there's a pine tree in the horse's immediate environment. And so if we can try stabling her away from that, um, I would also consider avoiding pine shavings um, just because there may be some pine pollens in that as well. Um, and those are the biggest things I would try to do. Um, if that doesn't seem to be helping, I would wonder if that's, you know, not her only allergen and if there are other um, allergens that are causing her an issue. Um, I'm going to defer to some of my other uh, veterinary colleagues um, for discussion of medications in pregnant mares, um, just because it's not something I, I deal with quite often. Um, but I would say trying to avoid pine trees, avoid pine shavings. Um, and then, you know, again, weekly baths, adding in omega fatty acids are all easy things you could implement that shouldn't be too um, scary for her when she is pregnant. Super. And then something we haven't really talked about that much yet. Um, Kayo in Japan said that they have quite a few horses that have swollen eyelids in the summer. He said that fly masks help, but they're wondering if there's any other tips that could help with swollen eyes due to the bugs. Yeah, um, so that's a great question. So I guess my my first uh, thought would be, you know, if it's multiple horses, um, is it truly like a hypersensitivity reaction just because, you know, we wouldn't expect, uh, you know, a large number of the horses to be allergic unless, you know, potentially they're all from a related line. Um, my thought would be, you know, could there be something else going on with them that's leading to those swollen eyelids? 
Um, I would absolutely still continue to use the fly masks because those can also be protective sometimes from like UV rays. Um, but I would also consider, you know, potentially talking to their veterinarian about biopsying one of the affected eyelids um, to see what's potentially causing that swelling. Um, you know, other than that, uh, getting more intense on your, your fly control could also be helpful. So maybe changing turnout, turnout times for those particular horses. Um, adding in some uh, permethrin-based uh, like spot-ons or sprays could also be helpful. Great. So um, another Jennifer in the chat. We have a lot of Jennifers here tonight. Um, yeah. So that her mare, um, her mare loses all of her facial hair every summer, and she's wondering if that could be an allergy or something else causing that yearly hair loss on her face. Oh, that's really interesting. Um, my question would be, does she seem like she's itchy at home? Like, is she rubbing her face a lot? Um, or does she just seem to lose her hair and there's, you know, um, she doesn't seem to care about it at all? Um, that would, I guess, be my, my biggest first question for that. Um, if she is rubbing at home, yeah, I absolutely think it could be related to an allergy. Um, and, you know, potentially considering like a treatment trial with antihistamines or steroids could be warranted. Um, if she doesn't seem to be rubbing her face at all at home and she just, you know, loses her hair and she doesn't seem to care about it, um, I would wonder, you know, there's something we see in, in canine patients called like cyclic flank alopecia where they can have seasonal hair loss. Um, I haven't seen it too much in horses really, but that could be a possibility. Um, or sometimes we can see things like alopecia areata in horses. Um, generally, that's something that, you know, either the hair doesn't grow back or it grows back and it doesn't happen again. So I don't tend to see a seasonal cause of that. Um, there's also, you know, some of our uh, parasites like Oncocerca that could potentially cause hair loss, but usually you'll see scale associated with that as well. Um, and so I would talk to, you know, especially if she's not itchy at home, I would talk to your primary care veterinarian about potentially biopsying the affected areas on her face um, to see if we can find a definitive cause for that hair loss. Great. Um, so Sue, also in our chat, um, said that if a horse is on long-term immunotherapy, how often would you retest to see if there is any change in allergy levels for adjusting the therapy? Yeah, so um, most often I'm not recommending retesting them um, just because we still at this point don't know exactly what we'll see on that retest. Um, and so for me, the only times I'm pushing to uh, perform another intradermal allergy test or um, it would be, you know, if we're suddenly not responding to the immunotherapy anymore. Um, so if you have a horse that's been on it for years and they've done really well with it, I wouldn't necessarily worry about retesting. Um, if you have a horse that did really well for like a few years and now suddenly we're developing hives again, then absolutely I would push for retesting. Um, with serum testing, uh, honestly, it can be very variable in the results, um, and so I'm not at all surprised if we, you know, test once and then test a few years later and get very different results, um, just because we don't uh, tend to see um, as repeatable results as we do with intradermal allergy testing. Great. Um, we touched on this a little bit before, um, but Michelle in Colorado was wondering what treatments could help with hair loss from the bug bite sites. So once the allergies has kind of have kind of settled down a bit what would you would put on the actual areas to help the hair grow back? Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, honestly, there's not a whole lot of things you can use that are gonna um, really quickly increase hair growth. Um, one thing I would avoid um, is continued use of topical steroids um, because that can actually shift our hair follicles into the resting phase. 
Um, and so particularly if you know they're no longer itchy because things are resolving, I would stop that topical steroid use. Great. So um, Darla in Colorado um, asked if a large acute allergic response to insect bites could potentially trigger a, lamin a laminitis episode in a highly reactive horse that has also equine metabolic syndrome, insulin resistance. Um, so essentially if allergies could then trigger something else in the body. Yeah, so in that particular situation, um, you know, I, do, I don't know that we have any published uh, literature out there that says yes, um, but I would be concerned that it could potentially um, worsen control of those other issues um, just from the standpoint of, you know, obviously with like equine metabolic syndrome and insulin resistance, um, you know, it, the stress hormone cortisol, I think, is, you know, fairly intimately involved with those conditions and, and certainly any veterinary interns out there can correct me on that if I'm, I'm wrong. Um, and so certainly stressful events like being really uncomfortable or itchy um, from your allergy or you know from being bitten, um, I do wonder if it could potentially worsen those conditions and in turn uh, worsen laminitis. Um, so yeah, I, I would be concerned about that and I would talk to your veterinarian about you know what sorts of plans we can implement to get allergy under better control for that particular horse. Um, and a lot of that is probably gonna look like really stringent fly control. Great, um, so we also have um, Cindy who's in Virginia saying that every summer her horse gets a cough when he's grazing, but he doesn't have the cough when he's being ridden. So she's wondering if there's something she should give him to help with that. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so what I'm wondering, and, and again, this is not completely my wheelhouse, but um, there is something that we sometimes see called like um, summer heaves or summer pasture associated um, obstructive pulmonary disease um, that we think is related to fungal spores and grass pollen combined with the hot, humid conditions that we see in the southeast. Um, and so there's not necessarily a whole lot you can you can give to your horse for that but they do often recommend trying to remove them from pasture so minimizing the time that they're out grazing um, during those hot humid days may be helpful um, and that's again something that I would I would bring up to your uh, your veterinarian and, and see what their thoughts are um, they may uh, recommend some sort of uh, systemic therapy like um, potentially steroids if the airway disease is really bad um, but from what you're describing, it sounds like um, you're not seeing a whole lot of exercise intolerance or anything like that. And it's just specifically when they're out on grass. Perfect. So as one last question from our um, chat tonight, Valerie is wondering if food allergies can cause respiratory symptoms or if food allergies mainly show up as skin issues. That is a great question. And Fairly difficult to answer just because, again, we see so few cases of that, of food allergy in horses. Um, and again, whether that's from truly it's a low incidence or, you know, we're just not looking for them as well as we should be. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's a little difficult to answer that. Um, for the most part, I, I wouldn't expect to see uh, respiratory issues linked to a particular food um, other than, again, you know, whether we're having respiratory issues due to particulate from hay or grain, um, which again is not so much necessarily a hypersensitivity reaction, but just like the physical um, deposition of those particles in the lungs. Um, really it comes down to we won't know if it's food allergy um, unless we do a strict diet trial, um, but I, I wouldn't expect it to affect the lungs. Oh, and the last little plug I'll put out there, there are lots of companies that would love uh, to 
kind of take your money to do serum or saliva testing for food allergy. Um, at this point in time, none of those have been found to be um, accurate. And so uh, really the only way we can look at food allergy is to do a strict diet trial. Great. Well, that's all we have time for tonight. Um, I want to thank you, um, Dr. Tomich, for um, helping us out tonight and answering all of our questions. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. Um, and also, of course, thank you to Kinetic Vet for sponsoring this event. And finally, thank you to our audience for listening and sending in a bunch of really great questions tonight. Until next time, from everyone at the horse, have a great night.